You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Our next guest strangely reminds me a little bit in my first meeting of Randall Cunningham, famous quarterback. I played with him at UNLV. I was a senior. He was a freshman. And the reason I say this is super talented, became a great friend, but the initial meeting is kind of like, what a dick. Kind of brash, kind of coming in taking over shit, and he's 17 years old. Uh, but it turned out Randall had every right to do that. And Ben Schwartz kind of had the right to do that because he became what he became. He's whatever. He's like 30 now. Um, but I met him when we did this show called Main Street. It was a fictional account of my life at ESPN. And Ben played this over-the-top, you know, junior, mid-level executive, whatever he was supposed to be. Um, some people think it was modeled after a current ESPN. I don't even know if that's true. I think Ben just made it be what it was. Just, <laughs> I'm the young, brash guy taking over this motherfucker. First use of motherfucker on the podcast, by the way. Um, we shot in LA for a few episodes, whatever it was, 2007. I don't know. I can't remember what year it was. And I think Ben and I went out to eat and I was taking him back to the hotel. He's in my rental car. I learned in that moment that he is a Stevie Wonder fan because I put on whatever I was playing. And then we flipped the next song. We ended up driving around LA for maybe an hour and a half singing Stevie Wonder songs, like seventh grade girls. And since that day, he's been a good friend, although in some cases I know nothing about him, and he joins us now. What an honor. My motherfucker, second time on the podcast. What an absolute honor to be here, how excited I am. Can I ask, was I brash to you as a human, or you're talking about my character as brash? Because I can't imagine a world where I'd be rude to I, you ever. Brash isn't necessarily rude. Brash is like ownership, like walking in. Hey guys, I'm talented and I don't need to fucking give in to whatever you're doing here because I'm bringing my own game. That's kind of how I read Wow. Brush. Wow, okay, yeah. That does not sound like me, but I mean, especially that's when I was respect. A kid, but no, that sounds amazing. I'm saying that, that I'm like lauding, that. I'm saying I loved your confidence. You were, no. <laughs> it's just talking about this how for long an ago? hour on this podcast. 17 years ago, eight, long time ago. Well, we started that show in New York, of course, yeah. uh, with Josh Todd. and... Who is Josh the other gentleman Todd, who did Josh the uh, Shellov, Todd Pellegrino. Show? Yep, because I'm doing a I'm doing a Zoom for kids for Josh this weekend. I haven't seen him in so long, and then this weekend I'm going on Zoom and reading to some kids or, or I doing love something it. for kids with him. He's he's, he's teaching he, youth how so to do kind. screenwriting is what he's doing. Uh, oh my goodness, maybe maybe, maybe that's find what out I'm help what your with. purpose is on that before you appear. Here you just have there to are answer just some questions. people you say yes to. Kenny Main says, hey, I got a podcast. Well, Kenny Main doesn't say that. Kenny Main demands. If I read your texts to show people how you really text, you would be. 
Ben doing a Ben. Uh, it's not. Will you do my podcast, Ben? You're doing my podcast. Um, you, you know, a lot of more famous people have done it than you, so this is a privilege. Um, uh, don't be weird about this. I'll see you on this time. You can pick. You can pick the time. Text me. Just I don't want to talk about it beforehand. T- talk to you soon, and then that's literally how. Ken, would you say that's approximate? I'll get texts from Kenny. Um, any time in the year, and I'll be like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing. Uh, I need you to jump on it real quick." And uh, <laughs> there's no question. There's no ever a question. It's a, "Hey, you're doing this, and um, uh, I made you uh, without me. You're uh, <laughs> without Main Street, you're nothing. You're a puddle in it's the world true. of entertainment." What had you done before you did our stupid show, Main Street? Listen, we, I, you're right. I, I was making my own short films uh, before then, and I was a freelance monologue writer for Letterman and then uh, Weekend Update. That was how I kind of started and doing comedy, live comedy. But may, I remember I did a lot of a lot of stuff for the internet. I really wanted to be on TV, and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to take a break from doing shorts on the internet. And then your it came and I auditioned for it. And it's like, oh man, I love I loved you on SportsCenter. Your first run. Let's not talk about your 45 <laughs> years. Your number 45 MJ years. Your 23 years were like for me, and I'm sure everybody talks about this on podcast, and it's boring, but you're going to love it anyway. But it's like I would wake up for school. And I would put on Sports Center. I would watch all the highlights, and that's you, and that's Stuart Scott, and that's Kilborn, and it's like, it's the it made sports like so, and it was so cool and so funny. And the idea that you could watch sports and there could be comedy in it was an enormous thing for me. So every morning I'd wake up with sports and comedy, two things that I loved, um, and it was a great way to wake up. That's literally how I do it. And you'd, I would catch the end of one episode and it'd go right into the next one. And that's how I'd watch a full episode. And then I'd go to school. So I made you not just later in your professional career, but I formed you in your youth is what you're getting at. Yeah, I would say you were like the robotic the robotic one on SportsCenter that really formed all of us to know that AI exists. That's not nice. <laughs> that was, you know what? <laughs> The Onion wrote a story about me that I take as high. What an honor. The Onion, and they talked about, I think the bit was that I died during a show but kept going or something. <laughs> That's not bad. That's I not love bad. It. it. Did you have a Did you have a favorite? So for improv, Kenny, you uh, like, a, like I do something called Ben Schwartz and Friends now where I'll pick different improvisers and we play together. But what I do is I like to pick teams and people that have different strengths. And then it, the shows are always going to be different by who's in it. When you were doing Sports Center back then and recently before you retired from the world of, of uh, broadcasting, um, would you say that we're broadcasting. We're, you had we're broadcasting a favorite? Right well, this is okay. a pod broadcasting. Um, would you say that you had a favorite partner to be next to? Or is that something you're not allowed to talk about? Is there someone like, hey, when I'm matched with this person, I know we're going to be fire. I know that I can do this. I know I know this person's rhythms, cadences. I know I can have the funniest show with this person. Is that something you would think well, about? Well, I hate not? answering that question because when you talk about one, it's to the exclusion of others. So among yeah. many, Neil Everett and I would just get silly and just oh, yeah. couldn't even talk. I could make him giggle, but he could do the same. John Bouchagrasse. Right in that in that world, all I mean, you know, I had good relations sure. with everybody. You know, anybody I worked with. We had Everett on the um, we had Everett on the Kenny Main show on the in the poker Main Street poker, event, poker with us. I think it was yes. All right, I want to know. I don't know if you know this part, but I read for Parks and Rec, didn't get picked. Yeah, no. Every one of you that was in our little show was on Parks and Rec, and then you all went in the stratosphere. You you call Nick Cage Nick at this point. That's how. Up the ladder you've become. <laughs> hey, Nick. Hey, Nick, Nick we're heading on, to man? Mondrian for drinks. Want to join us? 
there is a weird thing when uh because like um I grew up not knowing anybody in the acting field or anything like that. I didn't know any famous people ever until I started doing comedy. So um, it is really funny where every now and then you get like a text message and on it, it says like their name, who's texting you. And it's like someone you saw when you were a kid. You're like, Nick Cage is like, hey man, what's up? And you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. Nick Cage is texting me. That's crazy. Um, it is it is very crazy. Which role did you audition for? Because Mike Schur is an enormous sports fan, enormous baseball fan. Um, which role did you audition um, for? Do you remember? And yeah, you know I didn't deserve it. it. It was uh, I'm I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names. The nemesis of you know, you know, sat in the other office. Uh, what's his name? Um, mustache, funny guy, Offerman. I got Offerman? there finally. I got there finally. I said Offerman before you. You did. auditioned for one of the lead roles. They said that's what I was reading. For. You got in there. Aubrey Plaza got in there. Allison Becker got in there. John Glazer got in there. Who else? Who am I living out that was in our stupid show that all went to Parks and Rec? Everybody, yeah. all of us went there. No, the funny part Sorry, is when Allison Becker came in to read for my producer, you know, who'd be like my my number one, right? She was mm-hmm. perfect, funny, sweet, you know, you could see her as a friend, yet sort of like my wife, kind of like reprimanding me, but she kind of likes me. That's kind of Gretchen's role. Mm-hmm. And then Aubrey Plaza comes in, different vibe, but crazy funny, smart. And afterwards, she leaves, and we're all like, uh, we just need to make up a new part because there's no way we're telling either one of them no. They both have to get a yes. We just got to figure out what the fuck Aubrey does. So Aubrey's role became the boss boss above you, or were you above her? It was kind of a battle, right? She was, uh, she was below me. Shot. I was. There was a character that you had alluded, not you, but I guess the character I was playing you're right. We're not. It wasn't Mark. A person. Mar- we, it was Mark Shapiro, who's a friend, who's dynamic, who's great in every role he's ever been in, way over the top in a meeting. You played it and added a little bend to. So it. You added some bend sauce him. to it. I never knew him. I never met him. I never got to do anything. And then I remember when it came out. Uh, every now and then, someone from ESPN would be like, "I know what you're doing." I was like, <laughs> "What am I doing? Like you're playing this. You're playing." I was like, "Oh no, it's written. Whoever wrote it made it feel that way." But. Um, I remember I went to an ESPYs uh, thing once because I, I had uh, done something for the ESPYs once, and there, that's like, uh, that's when people are like, "Oh!" I was like, "Oh no!" But that was how excited. By the way, I remember that was like such a big deal because also for ESPN, they didn't really make no. shorts like they made that. They made a digital series that had a through line, and um, someone just some of the funniest people. Like when I, I was a huge fan of John Glazer at the time because he was a writer for Conan. And he was uh, one of the best improvisers. Like he used to be, a, you know, I mean, sure, he still is, but he doesn't perform as much. It's like incredible improviser. I knew Aubrey. I knew, and, and by the way, that's happened with Aubrey before where she auditions for something like, well, we got to, this isn't her, but we got to give her something. She's too funny. Um, I don't remember. Did I come in the room with you? No. Or did I, I don't do a tape? believe I don't remember you I'm, and I interfaced. I did with Aubrey and Allison. I met you soon. I think I auditioned at a casting place with Josh yeah. and Todd. And we made a good choice, and we launched your career. Here's something, and, and again, I want to go back to the top. I was not saying that derogatory. I was saying that in praise. Like, I loved, you're just like, dude, I'm pretty fucking funny. I'm coming in and own this joint. And you just walked in and did it, and you've done it in so many things since. So that's a, that's a compliment. Quarterbacks need to have that little something. They can't walk in sheepishly. Like, that's why Randall became Randall, right? So that's so interesting. I never think about I'll never go into a room being like, I'm so fucking funny. You're missing you're missing I'm my so, point. I'm, it was like a subtle like air of confidence. You weren't Oh, confidence in my comedic indeed, ability. 
and a little brash, a little yeah. fuck you. I'm doing an extra take just for me, just for me, not for the, even for the oh, room. Oh, I love extra takes. How about the extra ex- take oh, when, they make you they- do in commercial shoots or probably some of the shows you've done? You've done it their way, their way, their way, and then they do the, hey, if you got anything up your sleeve. That's not the time to be funny. The time to be funny is on take two when they don't expect it. That I love, whenever they let us play in anything is like heaven to me. And that show, Josh and Todd let me go For bananas, sure. which was so fun. Like, oh yeah, go do, do whatever you want. And that's like... You get your first kind of taste. I did a couple of, I did a bunch of short films before that, a little shorts for like College Humor and Fun or Die and stuff. But like that, like someone being like, go, go off and whatever and use the abilities from improv. It's like, that's so exciting. Whatever happened, did, did that at ESPN, were people watching that and getting back to you and being like, hey, this is great. We love this. Or what was the feedback the from feedback that feedback was very positive, that's both inside ago. and outside. I still have people on the street who will reference something from 15 years ago as their favorite thing. And I never got the reason why it was getting killed, just kind of the note and the rumor that it was getting killed that is just too far afield. Here's ESPN.com with the you know home run totals and elite quarterback debates and this weird show with Kenny. And it just didn't fit in. Now, they were wrong because look at current ESPN Plus and all the streaming services. It was kind of almost ahead of its time. And yeah. so I went in and said, well, I heard you're killing this thing I'm doing. I got a new nomination of another thing I'd like to do. And John Skipper, to his credit, approved that in one one meeting. Next thing you know, we were flying to London and Ireland and doing this thing called Wider World of Sports, which wasn't a written comedy. In fact, a lot of it was kind of serious. We did some serious stuff, but mostly it was me traveling the world, learning about other cultures and and sports and Irish road bowling and the paleo and elephant polo and sledding down a volcano in Nicaragua and just... Oh, I love Yeah, that, that also got killed. But that's not my question. <laughs> my question is something I learned about you early because you titled... You were talking about early in your career. You were just making video. You were just trying to make it, right? You were hustling. And your website yeah. was called rejectedjokes.com. Am I right? That's correct. Okay. It still is. I read that, tell me if I'm wrong, a little bit like He Hate Me. Remember the XFL player, uh, Rod Smart, who would play for the Carolina Panthers? Back in the old XFL. I don't. I don't know. They the let story. the players put whatever they want on their jersey. They could be called anything, right? Sir, score oh, okay. a lot. You know, they could be whatever they want, right? <laughs> he went with He Hate Me, and everybody knew what that meant. It meant that. He'd been judged wrongly. He'd been cut by teams. He hadn't been respected. I read that about rejected jokes. Am I even close? This is what it was. So my first, um, so I was performing. That's a great question. That was a great question. Great. You're doing great. And also congratulate yourself after every question. (laughs) I think it'll help the podcast Um, because people won't know if it's good unless you tell them. Um, so uh, I was uh, doing improv at UCB with Adam Powley. UCB being Upright Citizens Brigade. That's right. Gil Azari probably being the funniest person in the world. And we um, we were doing that, and I wanted to – and I was freelance writing for Letterman. I got the job because I was a page for Letterman showing people where the bathroom was. And so I was like, all these jokes that I'm writing, they get rejected. All of them are getting rejected, and I'm writing thousands of jokes, and nobody's ever seeing them. So I found out that Letterman owns each joke for three months, and then I get to do whatever I want with it. So I said, I'm going to start a website with all the jokes that have been rejected from Letterman, all the jokes that have been, because I was like, I want to do, I want to do short films. I want to do something. What's unique about me that someone, I can get someone in LA to watch. Like if I put it on the internet, that means now someone outside of my little theater can watch. So I said, okay, 
I'm going to perform the jokes that were rejected from Letterman and we can update. And for an audience of zero, they're going to bomb. That was the bit. And then that way people can see me perform the jokes. They can hear my comedy. And maybe someone in LA will see me and put me in a commercial or put me in a TV show or something like that. So it started by taking all, and I still have my binder somewhere with all my jokes. I have thousands of jokes that I wrote for like four years. And so it was to take all, it was to take the, the, the negativity of, okay, none of these are getting on, but I'm going to still use them because I think they're, some of them are funny or fucked up or whatever. And I would put them on rejectedjokes.com and that's what started. Then I was like, I need a short film to get people to the website. So I, would, uh, I, I made a short film that got 40 million views right when I started, which is crazy. And then I started getting celebrities or people at UCB that people knew, like from The Daily Show, to perform one of the jokes, rejected jokes. So I was trying anything to get, and I still, rejectedjokes.com is still home base for me. So it's like uh, every, anything I could to get people to come see my stuff because for 90 people at a theater, I could sell out, but it didn't, I wasn't getting jobs. Like I was, I was a bartender at UCB. I was a page at Letterman. I was, you know, struggling to get any commercial work. So this was a way to try to get people in LA. And then someone who loves you, Allison Jones had seen like a joke of, of I got on timeout New York joke of the week or whatever from one of my jokes that I wrote. And she saw that. And she was um, a part of casting The Office, a part of casting Parks and Rec. Casting She's a part director, of casting she every is, Judd yes. Apatow movie. She's in, she is considered one of, if not the most proficient, uh, prolific uh, comedic king casting maker. director of all time. She's a kingmaker. She's a kingmaker. And she yeah, liked she you, liked, King, that's liked past you... tense. She went away. I tried her a couple times. It didn't work out. But that's not about me. This is about you. You must have really I bombed love that audition, Kenny. that story because I also liked that I was in the right neighborhood. You took a negative and like, I'm going to... I'm gonna. This stuff's too good not to use, right? I'm gonna try to to exploit what I did already somehow. And it also makes it unique. Like, how many people do you know freelance for Letterman? And I was a kid, a Letterman SNL. I was like, well, my into the internet that's unlike other people's is I can use jokes that really got rejected from these places, and you could see them. Is that interesting? Maybe you'll find that interesting. There's one more. There's a couple things that you said also I want to talk about. One in college for your wild wider world of sports, wider world of sports. In college, I did my senior thesis on a sports being a microcosm of wow. society. So the idea of looking at sports and it being showing you, you know, a microcosm of society. And I went to Ireland and uh, we lived there term abroad for three months. And I lived in Kilkenny. I know I Kilkenny. Watched, uh, we went through there. Yeah. It's amazing. Kilkenny, I love it, it so much. Is it County Cork? It's close. Different accent. We did Kilkenny. Um, and then I, I researched hurling and Gaelic football. And um, I interviewed about 40 athletes when I was there. And I played basketball. I was the only Jewish person ever to play in St. Patrick's, uh, Patrick's Cathedral, whatever, Did you light was my it up? team. And one of the funniest things is we'd be playing basketball, and this, like, everybody looks normal. Nobody looked like they were, like, super strong. And this little guy comes up to me and sets a pick and fucking levels me. And it's because these guys are farmers. And so, like, they're all muscle. There's not an ounce of all they are. They pick up fucking, like, tractors all day. So I remember none of them could really play basketball, but they were so strong and like they would like throw their bodies. But we would everybody get drinks afterwards. Like it was a big social thing. And then I interviewed a bunch of athletes in America and tried to try to distinguish things about our cultures from the sports experience. What did you get on that paper? I don't know. It was 100 pages, though. I remember that was my first time I ever wrote 100 pages. That's thick. That's your catchphrase now, isn't it? Isn't your catchphrase that thick? I don't do that show anymore. It's been a year. I'm 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to hear my three-guard offense we had? I'm in college now. So I'm like 20 years older than you. I'm at UNLV my first year there. Sonics win the title that spring. Our three-guard offense was Gus Williams, Dennis Johnson, and Fred Brown off the bench. Come on. We're yeah. on the same team. Lenny Wilkins was the coach. Jack Sigma at center, that fadeaway thing from Illinois Wesleyan. Lenny Wilkins was the coach when you were in college? Does that mean he went right from the NBA to coaching? That's Is that an insult about my age? I didn't get uh, no, that's I'll take Lenny Wilkins. Assumption. Lenny Wilkins, Providence, this is college, he plays in the NBA, goes to Seattle, didn't want to go, but he goes, loves Seattle, he's our star player. The Sonics traded him for Butch Beard. I'm 12 years old, and I'm so mad. Lenny's my favorite guy ever. We go to the game where the Cleveland Cavaliers are coming back to play the Sonics because we're going to cheer for Lenny, our hero, who they should not have traded, right? We get sold out. Of course. This is back in the day. When one set of parents would drop you off at, you know, 5 o'clock and the others pick you up at midnight or whatever the time thing was. Because there's no phones. There's pay phones. There's nobody has – they have – nobody wears seatbelts. And <laughs> we get sold out of the – Babies are smoking cigarettes. Yeah, the parents are both smoking, no seatbelts, sometimes just in the back of a pickup truck. Mr. Miller would pick up nine kids for, for baseball. Different story. So we get sold out. We only have like $10, right? We can't afford the scalp tickets. So we go to the Space Needle to waste time and listen to the game on the radio. I I had a T-shirt and a light jacket, and I took my T-shirt off and threw it off the Space Needle in protest of the trade of Lenny Wilkins. Oh, my God. A lot of people didn't get where I was coming from with that protest. Do you remember the first time uh, you cried because of a sports thing? Oh, I cried at the Ice Bowl. First game I ever – no, no, this is how old I am. Seven years old, I watched the Ice Bowl, Bart Starr sneaking it over to beat the Cowboys in Green Bay, right? Look it up. Google the Ice Bowl. Sure. I, I cried tears of joy. My my beloved Packers, I was seven. I had no football team in Seattle. I had to go to somebody, and the Packers were pretty good, so Packers were my team. Why did I cry? The, uh... I cried when I got cut from baseball. Kind of held the tears in, but I, was, I wasn't I was that good at baseball. Football, I was pretty good. I could throw. Played in college. I wasn't great. I was good enough. Baseball, I couldn't hit the damn ball, and every year I'd get cut in March 
and go. They moved me down right. They had double A, triple A, and majors. I just played to age, right? I was oh, you're twelve. You're on this team. You know, it was that kind of deal. Yeah, there's a. I played basketball in high school. College, it was just like rec and intramurals, which was my favorite thing. And I got better at basketball in college because there weren't coaches putting so much pressure on me and making me feel like I wasn't very good. So it's like when I was in college, I got to be better. But I remember one of the first times I have a, such a clear memory of when the Knicks lost. I'm a Knicks fan. When the Knicks lost to the Rockets when oh. Hakeem was on there. Oh, that was and tough it one. was game seven. 90, 95, four, If it's 95, five. it means I'm 14 yeah. years old. And I go outside. I'd moved from the Bronx to Westchester now um, recently. Uh, and so I go outside and I go, I remember being my dad. I go, it was late. Then I go, dad, I got to shoot around. Can I shoot around? <laughs> He's like, you can go shoot around, Ben. And I'm outside like with like a tiny little light on me, crying and shooting baskets, being like, how do we lose? I, can't. I was so invested in the Knicks and we would get so close. Um, and then we just could never pull it off you know what i mean so um but i remember that being a huge moment there's a you, lot of nicks moments where sure. i got so upset you needed to let you needed to let that out and this was the time to do it i'm so old i remember the willis reed game where he's injured and comes out and the place goes crazy at madison square garden sure. saves the day now you had some guards earl monroe walt frazier of course I mean, and you can keep going. We had, by the way, that 93 Bill team was like heaven to me. That was like Starks and Patrick Ewing and Oakley and Mason. And that, that team was like, it was so exciting. And Pat Riley, who was featured in oh. this winning time TV oh. show. Where you're like, I couldn't oh. stop watching that show. Whether it's completely true or not true, I don't even care. Every 9 o'clock, it's on at 9. I, one, it's like Sopranos. I had to watch it when it came on. Not later. I don't want to watch it later. I want to watch it when it comes on. Yeah. By the way, there's not. I was trying to think of how many shows there are. For me, it's like Succession was like that, and Severance. Have you seen Severance with your? Friend I started ben to watch Severance, but it was I had COVID and I was already kind of not feeling great, and it just bummed me out too much. I'm not saying it was amazingly done. I love Ben. I love what they did. I'm gonna watch it. I couldn't in the in the place where I was mentally and emotionally, I wasn't ready for more depression because it's, it's tough. So good, Kenny. Yeah, it's such a good show. Oh, you know another. A really good show, a movie's called Chinatown. That's a good movie. Yeah, with Jack Nicholson. You're going to love it if you haven't seen it. Um, that that moment that you're talking about when we were we kind of became uh, fast friends. From I'm bringing it show. back to that. You stole it, but go ahead. Stole what? Stevie Wonder, but go ahead. Yes, this is what I'm talking about. The the That moment, I remember you and I, like we were friends already, but that moment like solidified us. Like, oh, we'll just be friends for life, I guess. When we were in that car... And I think I was driving. Maybe you were driving. Doesn't matter. One of us was driving and Stevie came on and it was probably not, it was an obscure Stevie song. And both of us knew all the words to it. And we're like, oh, I was like, oh, this is my guy. Like this is, I have, I own every song he's done. Um, And so it was like, we started singing, we literally just drove around LA. Like it was very much exactly what you said. It's like when you're in high school and there's nothing to do. And you like go, you're just driving, like whatever. Kenny and I drove and like talked about life and sang Stevie Wonder songs for an hour, like kids. And it was such a fun, wonderful moment. Um, We both always talk about it afterwards. And anytime we go see Stevie or talk about Stevie, we text each other. Because I'm a generous actor, good job on you. Because I I didn't write any notes. Sometimes I write one word, don't forget to ask whatever. And I kept thinking, don't forget Stevie. That was a moment. I want to know, because I'm 20 years older, you had to be taught by somebody 
that this guy's good. You wouldn't have heard it necessarily. I mean, maybe. More likely, you must have had a parent or an uncle or somebody that said, hey, have you heard this guy, Stevie? I know he's older, but yep. look, look at the 70s. Was, my mom and dad, uh, we listened to Stevie Wonder, Sam Cooke, uh, Jackie Wilson, and then they were so big into soul, huge into soul, and then huge into folk. So James Taylor, Simon Garfunkel. Dude, we had the same the same blueprints. I had yes. Beatles, James Taylor, and Stevie Wonder was that was what played on our giant console stereo. That's exactly right. You That's had to it. put the record on, that, and our records were that. I have a record player now, and I have my dad and my mom's records, and I have like I love the idea. Like I have typewriters behind me. I love the idea. We're going to get to that also. Using something the same way it was used. When, oh. when it was made. So those Stevie records were 30 years ago. So I have the same exact record that we would put on the record. I love the idea that I'm holding the same thing my parents held when we were kids, when I was a kid, and you know putting it on the record player and playing. I have that same exact one now. And I just, I, I, I love that. But I'm hugely influenced by soul music and R&B and, and folk. That's like how I came up. And then slowly I find that, you know, this this soul kind of sounds like a modern R&B. Then I get obsessed with 90s R&B. And then I'm in that world for a long time. And then I'm into rap and that. So it's everything kind of started with Stevie. So uh, everything kind of comes back to that. If I had to like, if I need to calm down, I put on James Taylor. Like if I need to chill out. And if I just want to listen to anything, I, I'll just put Stevie Wonder on. And I've kind of heard every one of his songs. Well, back when I was under uh, Twitter rules at my previous job, I would say I would shoot from beyond the Jamel line. That meant, you know, from farther away than Jamel Hill. She went hard in the paint. She's just saying, and I respect her for that. She had way more courage. I would try to do it subtle. Like if Trump was at a press conference, I would put out the lyrics to He's Mr. Know-It-All. Mm -hmm. He's a man with a plan, got a counterfeit dollar in his hand, right? Mm -hmm. If he shakes on a bet, he's the kind of dude who won't pay his debt. Um, what album is the last Stevie Wonder album you might have, intentionally put on not just run across on the radio i was just playing music of my mind on the way here music of my mind is incredible intervisions is right over there I, but i don't even like that's not even my favorite it's just there so i have it as a record um talking uh, songs of the favorite. key of life i have as a record which i love but you know what's amazing it's um where i'm coming from incredible, incredible. what a great title too has there i don't know if there's ever been a better title to anything a music a book which is where i'm coming from it's it's unbelievable, but wait no, it's a green. It's a is that that's me, that's secret life of plants, journey through the secret life of plants. Where I'm coming from, by the way, is I think the exact one I'm talking about. But I, when you said green cover, I'm thinking 1979. I'm in college. And oh no, ready? Up. 1968 for once in my life. It's oh. a banger. Every single song yes. is a banger. Every single song is one of the best. And you realize that it's 1968. And it starts with For Once in My Life, then goes Shooby Dooby. It, it's, yeah, he's it's like a, 17 at the time, probably. It's 12 songs, 35 minutes, and every song is unbelievable. And he's a kid. He's a, he's a young man. So it's you, insane. You must, of course you remember this, because I have the picture on my wall. I've shown you the picture. You and I are both at a Stevie concert about what 2013, 14, somewhere there. I believe it's the Christmas thing he does in L.A., right? Yeah, to, uh, Toys for Tots. I yeah. was with Cheeto. So you're there with Don Cheadle. I have a Don Cheadle story I've told you as well. Um, and it all wraps into Stevie, additionally. So I, I was calling my old producer boss, a guy named Tim Scanlon, who ran the baseball for ESPN. And I was always in that softball game with a so-called celebrity softball, right? And Stevie's going to be at a concert in Philadelphia, but the All-Star game is going to be in Detroit about three weeks later. I call him on the phone. I said, hey, 
It's a long shot. I don't have anything set up, but could you let me go down to Philly? I'm going to try to get Stevie to be in a bit, and then we'll run it three weeks. He's like, do you have anything set up? Do you have a camera? Do you have – no, do you have press pass? No. Do you, all right, go for it. I think you'll do it. So I go to Philadelphia, hire a crew. I have the flimsiest press pass I've ever seen. It's a charity thing. It's called Live 8, not Live Aid, but Live okay. 8, meaning the G8, and they wanted them to relieve African debt. It was like this worldwide concert thing that was happening. Steve is the headliner in Philly. I'm standing outside the giant compound. There's security all over. There's no way I'm getting in. And Stevie's guy keeps waving to people, like Will Smith goes in, and then Natalie Portman goes I mean, These are the people, like for real. And then he looks right at me, a big smile, and he's waving, and he's, come on, get in here. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, how the fuck do they know who I am? And I take a step forward. I guess they're talking to me, and nope, Don Cheadle walks by me, the motherfucker, oh. and he goes right. <laughs> but I don't give up. I don't quit. You persist. As the day goes on, I keep upgrading. I run into uh, some Teamster guy. He has an extra lanyard. Now I'm backstage talking to Sarah McLaughlin. I'm watching, you know, I'm like literally in the in the place. I get to Stevie's guy, tell him my pitch. He said, you wait here right after the show. He'll either do it or he won't. You pitch him, not me. Stevie comes up. I tell him. I tell him who I am, you know, what Are I'm you doing. Are so nervous, by the way? Oh, I'm, I'm like, oh, it's worse than my first Stevie, which is far more nervous. Here, at least, I'm holding it together. His line was, I can't be at the baseball all-star game. I have a high ankle sprain. <laughs> he did it He did it in one take. He walks away. I said, when's that album coming out? And he turns back and he goes, soon. And he keeps walking. I remember that concert being one of my favorite concerts I've been to. So we're going, so Cheeto goes, it's me, Cheeto, and a bunch of his family and friends. And at, he's like, um, we're going to go say hi to Stevie Wonder. And I, I started like sweating out of my fucking tongue. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, say hello to him? I said, yeah, do you want to? And I go, uh, he's like kind of my idol. I don't, I don't know. Um, he goes, he's, he's a great guy. You got to meet him. I go, yeah, 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 of course. And so I'm up there. I'm like visibly shaking. I'm like shaking. I've never met him before. And he's just like, the. It's, someone once said like the idea of what celebrity is has changed so much because everybody's True. on Twitter. Everybody's on Instagram. You can see what everybody's doing. But Stevie is like st- still like a mythical Agreed. hero to me. He's too big. Same. He's too incredible. It's you know weird I mean? to talk to him. It's fun. I've been around him like four or five times now. I got to interview him for real, like before a Super Bowl in Detroit, where he opened and the Rolling Stones played at half, which is interesting because he used to open for the Rolling Stones. Oh, wow. But, yeah, there's an aura. He, I think he's a prophet. He's the only human that I kind of revere in the way that we are describing. And it's not weird fanboy. It's more, I have such respect. I find myself, sometimes I'll write something. And I'm not saying I write at his level. I don't mean that. I just mean... It was influenced by the way he reverses, right? He flips words. He flips clauses. He's incre- he's he's incredible. And the idea that we are still so into his music now. Well, does amazing. it piss you off when you talk to people your age or younger and they, they think he's like old fogey guy and they don't get the genius of all those but albums? Like that happened. Like, you know, but like I remember I was a big fan of Crosby, Still Nash & Young when I was a kid. And I'd let one of my friends listen to him. Like, why do you listen to this shit? You know what I mean? I was like, oh, it's just every generation loses the one before. That kills me, though. Because I get a bunch of people think, they hear like, I just called to say I love you or or Woman in Red or something, like the ones he made for movies. They don't get the the depth of the the lyrics and and how much that meant at the time. Did you see Summer of Soul? Oh, my God. Questlove's documentary is unbelievable. 
unbelievable. And it killed me because, you know, we're talking about all this nonsense now about CRT and you can't, you know, influence kids with the reality of America. And that's a perfect example of how certain part of our history just, I never heard of that. I never heard of it until Questlove's documentary. And I thought I knew a lot about that stuff. I had no idea that thing took place. That documentary is amazing. But so after that show, we he takes us up. This is where I saw you. You go like up, and someone also said, "Hey, sometimes after the show, Stevie likes to get on a piano and play a little bit for some other people upstairs." I was like, "What?" After he does a full show for an arena, and they're like, "Yeah." So we go up there, and there's a piano set up. You were there, um, and it was me, Cheadle, and he's starting to go around the room shaking hands, and I could see he's making a circle. And um, I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna meet Stevie Wonder. This is, this is it. Like it's like this is it. It's like meeting the president for me. I was like, oh my god. Um, okay. And so I'm nervous. He's saying hello. I see Don starting to get excited and a little nervous also, even though he's friends with him. And he's like, he comes across and and Don shakes his hand and Bridget Don's uh, wife is there and shakes his hand and Don goes and Stevie, this is my friend Ben. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. and he goes, this is my friend Ben. And Stevie doesn't hear uh, what Cheeto said exactly. And he goes, hey, Matt, how are you? I go, so good, man. So nice to meet you. So this and like, I'm Matt. Today, I'm Matt. I'm not going to make this about you saying my name wrong. And it's like, shook his hand. He's like, cool, man, cool. Da, 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 da. And then moved on. And I was, it was so exciting. And uh, afterwards, I was like, yeah, he said he called me Chris or Matt or something like that. Who cares? And Cheeto was laughing out loud. Um, but it was amazing. You know what? Hold on. Can you push... Um Oh, can you push your TV screen up a little bit so your head isn't cut off? That's coming to us 49 minutes into the show. You have two. Are those both manual? Is one electric and one's manual? The typewriters like behind electric. you? They're both manual. Okay. This is a Royal, and this is an Underwood. This one is from a movie I did, which um, did you they were it? kind enough to let me buy from oh, them. Sure. <laughs> did I not stole, give it to me. I stole a football from NBC. I did the Olympics for Peacock, and I just I took have, a football. Over here, Kenny, I have a prop from everything I've ever done. If you name uh, any project I've ever done, I have something from it on my wall over Oh, really? Here. What do you have from Main Street? Nothing from Main Street. God dang <laughs> I hate you. What do you want to be when you grow up? You're, I'm pro- Seriously, I'm going to be one sincere moment. We've been borderline sincere, and certainly for Stevie. That was sure. pure sincerity. I'm very proud of you. Thanks, Kenny. It's, no, it's really cool. To have met you were basically figuring it out, and it seems like you have figured it out. But I bet you don't think you have, right? You you got more to figure out. Well, life stuff. I think uh, I think you know life stuff. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of fun stuff to go, but business stuff. Business. I mean, listen. You'll never have it figured out. But there's I I, I if I could like be like, hey, what do you want to do next? I've sold a lot of things writing wise, and they just don't get made. And I think I'm in a place right now in my career where all of a sudden people are kind of pretending that maybe they will get made now. So it's like, I would love to be in, like I sold a television show and I'm writing it right now. And I was like, man, if that gets picked up where I get to be the lead of my own show, that would be so fun. And then I sold this movie with me and Sam Rockwell and I'm on like third draft after, you know, whatever. And it's like, man, like all these things that I've written probably, I probably sold, and I'm not saying this to brag, it's actually the opposite because I haven't gotten made. But it's like I've sold maybe six movies and three or four TV shows, and they just haven't gotten greenlit. Because for people who are listening to the podcast, um, to pay me to write something, 
does not cost a lot of money, but then to make it costs millions of right. dollars. So to greenlight something is so different than developing something. So even if they like it, they're like, yeah, this is great, but do we want to spend 30 million or $40 million on this thing? Um, you know, if you do a show that's 10 episodes long and each episode is two to $3 million. So um, the next step for me, one of the things that like, if you're like, hey, have you, like, what do you see? I was like, I would love to get some of these things greenlit. I would love to see what, uh, what would happen if I was allowed to control the narrative of a show. Um, maybe it'd be great. Maybe it'd be me being like, ah, I like writing it for other people, but um, I'm getting real close on some stuff right now. So my hope is that one of these things goes and uh, um, yeah, but I will say the, the beginning, like I always talk about how the beginning of the comedy journey where you're learning your voice, where you're doing things. So for me, it was like doing Upright Citizens Brigade, a co- college humor, doing Main Street, like really kind of learning your voice and kind of getting your stuff together and be- learning. Main Street was great to learn how to be on camera because um, on stage you could be wacky or whatever, but how can I do it in a funny way, which also feels real and whatever. So it's like um, that stuff is always the most fun because we have nothing to lose. You could take big risks. You could try to figure your stuff out. You know what I mean? So um, that beginning stuff is great, but I feel like there's always something more. I don't feel like it's like, I did it. I don't think I'll ever feel like I did it. You know what I mean? But there are moments where I'm like, I'm really proud of this. I can't believe I'm, I was able to do this. I'm, I can't believe I've, I've acted with these people or been directed by these people. That's a big, that's a big thing for me. So I feel very lucky um, and also I think with you and I, we work our butts off. We really work. I hard. have no pride. I, I'll pitch people left and right. We're trying to pitch a remake of main. Street I could not work. do that. Dude, you are so incredible at that. You like, will be like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. I need you to do it. It's going to be, I was like, I wouldn't, I'm so, I'm so Jewish and anxious that I'd be like, I never want to feel like I'm imposing ever. So it's like, if, well, I if, hope I, I wasn't imposing on you for no, this. But you know, or, I'm game for whatever you're doing. So it's like, yeah, whatever well, you want. Let's we're do trying it. to reboot main street after he me leaves espn right what happens next and one i in the opening thing i wrote i sign up with a gambling concern and i really did i'm i'm doing stuff for caesars right that's that's yes my main you thing told I me did. about it. you try to get me to do something yeah and allison becker took that role by the way good i hope yeah. she's great she's very funny funnier than you probably in that case probably um no, you were busy. You were shooting with Nick Cage. You were in New Orleans. You I weren't was available. in New Orleans, yeah. yes. And I tried to reach you in New Orleans. You said, I'm too tired. This is my one day off. I'm sleeping all day. Oh, my God. We were shooting nights because it's a vampire movie. So I literally would be up every day from 6 p.m. to 7 a.m. Then I'd go to sleep, and then it, it was bananas. It was, a, it was a very interesting shoot. Tell me if you're buying this. In this fake story that I'm trying to get, you just show up one day. You're in and out. You're not full-time. Um, I sign up with a gambling concern, and... They get under federal investigation like the day after my lawyer signs everything, but I have to still work for them for a year because I signed a deal and they have one casino. It's and you know it's like Ozark or whatever. I'm there, there's a place to go with this where I fail and fail and fail. Maybe we put a show together with people. You know, we'll see. Maybe the show doesn't go anywhere. Maybe I just you do a to podcast. Be curb, but after you've been after you're done well, with sports, he. I love him and I love Curb. I mean, you could you could argue that bit has been done right, kind of like fucking with Hollywood, making fun of all the 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 culture and the agents and you know. But yeah, yeah, that, he wasn't the first to do that. And this is known, obviously, he does it expertly. Wow, Larry David is right here. Do you want me to get him on the horn? You know what? Fuck Larry David. You tell Larry David right now. He's right here. I can just bring him in. Do you no, want me to? I need you for Don Cheadle though. Well, that'll be a side <laughs> note. Um, so Gretchen, my wife, um, says. 
I, I jokingly, as I'm leaving the house, I said, any questions for Ben Schwartz? In not knowing I wouldn't need any because you, you, know, you know how to fill. We're ju- we just started talking, right? Gretchen says, why don't you ask him about his personal life? Because as well as I think I know you, I know what you do. I know you're funny. I know you're fun to hang out with. I know you love Stevie Wonder, which was what the most thing, the thing we talked about the most. So I Googled it and it asked, does Ben Schwartz have a love interest? And, Ooh, and at this time, nothing. it said, at this time, Ben Schwartz is concentrating on his career and has not publicly acknowledged any. Yeah. I am very good at keeping my private life private. I have someone amazing that I've been with uh, for a while. Who's What's her wonderful. name? When did you first love her? But I, I, I love her very much. But the thing that I like is that I don't. We don't post it for everybody. Right. It's like it's ours, and then that means like you know when it's an anniversary, it's ours. Like it's like a, I have a, you know I'm pretty private in my real life. I hear that. So it's like I love so much that all these things I get to do with this person. And and by the way, I, I I've seen so many people who are couples that are public and like go they're so good with all that stuff online and i was like oh that's amazing just for me it's not it's not for me i find the social media stuff like a really great place to like interact with fans and stuff like that but it feels like it's it's a little bit harder for me to like i was like i don't want to get introduce it. people in that part do you know does that it. make sense no 100 i think i which is amazing so that's why like if you look i which i'm so happy about if you look me up People are like, it's it's great. And like, and also nobody really gives a fuck. Like, I'm not Matt Damon. It's not like, oh, well, well, oh my god, he's walking down the street. Who's that? Who's that person? But like, anybody who I'm friends with or close with knows everything about me. You forgot and knows to tell everything me. about my girlfriend you and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, you forgot to tell me. So we're not. Wait, wait. Close. I was gonna say something. There's there's this funny thing when you said, um, hey, you steered us back to this. Yeah. There's when we watch McCall it. When we uh, when you texted me to do this, you go. Listen, this isn't like a fancy. This isn't what you're used to, man. There's not going to be a pre-interview. We're going to get on. We're going to get on two microphones. You're not going to know what's going to come. And we're just going to go after it. And I literally was going to text back. That's every podcast. You're describing every podcast. Well, no, I was I was trying to put this not in the podcast world, but like if you show up on a talk show at night. Oh, you're saying the you're pre- the letterman of podcasting. Yeah, is they, what you're saying. No, no, no. They do. <laughs> you're no, the pre, your pre-interviews are like Letterman. You're like talking about late night talk shows. Yeah, but you're like, this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna get in front of two microphones and we're gonna record our audio that and other people are gonna listen to. That's precise. I was trying to parody the note that everybody has a podcast. So I was saying you've probably never heard of this thing where two people talk and another guy records and then they put it out later. And one thing that Odyssey, the people putting this together, they keep telling me to say, find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Oh that's yeah, that's the, good. That's our that's big. Great. That's our big sales tool right now. I love it right now. Um, ben, besides the woman you love so much and what you won't want to talk about, great. What are you doing right now? If somebody says, "I love Ben Schwartz," what's Ben about to do? I know about the movie with with Nick. Uh, that comes out at some point, but yeah. you got a couple things actively out there right now that damn it, people should just watch a lot. What a great, tra- what a great transition for a plug, and I'm so proud of you for doing it flawlessly. I have uh, the after party in Apple we TV know. Plus, yep. which I'm really excited for and proud of, and we're it's been out so the whole season there. It's a murder mystery, and it's Tiffany Haddish, Sam Richardson, me, uh, Dave Franco, Ike Barinholt, Zoe Chow, Alana Glazer. It's all Jamie Dimitri. It's all like brilliant people. It's a murder mystery, and every episode is told through 
when someone tells a story, it's like Rashomon, uh, it's told through a different genre of film. So like the oh. first one is shot like a romantic comedy. Then mine is a musical. I do a big budget musical. Um, it's great. And then Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is out. Those are two things right now. And then as, as a, like when you're asking, what am I doing right now? When we get off this, I'm writing. I'm writing that TV show. I owe, um, I owe stuff from that. And then I owe, so I'm writing two projects now. And then I'll get my next acting job. And, you know, but my goal is to, for a month, just write, just sit down and finish these projects and make everybody happy and hopefully get one of them made. Uh, and then I'll go back to acting and something else. That was a good summary. It was are good, you, right? Are you selling it? Do you have a tag sale coming up or anything? I mean, anything else you just want to get out? They call it a they call it a garage sale West Coast tag sale East Coast. Oh, you go and reject you go and rejectedjokes.com. I'm touring with Ben Schwartz and friends. So if you live in DC, I'm playing Chicago Theater, I'm playing DC, I'm playing Boston, Toronto. But that's it. I'm not like I'm not like hugely into touring. I know some people are love it. I, I don't I don't the the process of getting on a plane, going to a place, yeah. getting on a a train, you know, and then doing another show the next night, and and then getting on a plane and coming right back to L.A. I think as I've gotten a little bit older, that stuff isn't as exciting. But when I'm on stage, it's the best. You know, when you're on stage and you're performing in front of all these new people who a lot of them haven't seen improv before, and you get like big applause and everybody's loving it, and you're creating something and you made people happy for an hour and twenty minutes and. You know, no matter what was happening before they got in there for an hour and 20 minutes, they're happy and smiling. That, I love that. I love that. But that's kind of it. Right now, it's writing. I just that's finished a lot that Renfield movie. Now, you said hour 20. Do you just decide arbitrarily, I'm giving you 80 minutes and not a fucking minute more? You're not getting 81 out of me, just 80. <laughs> so, basically, what I do, by the way, if you ever see me improvise, there's a clock on the floor. And oh. this is the way that I, as... um as an improviser, can tr- keep track of how long the show is, how much more we have, because you don't know what the show is going to be. So when I see there's only about 15 minutes left, I'm going to start trying to bring stuff back f- that's happened uh, okay. in the past of the show. So I'm trying to get to a place where in the next 10, 15 minutes, we could wrap it up. Because improv, if you go too long, you really feel it. Um, and if you're, if like the one of the biggest things with improv is you got to know where to edit. You have to know when to edit. So it's like if you wait too long and you miss the last like blackout, the final line of the scene, let's say you like really found a good way to wrap it up, but nobody ended the show, then you're just like trailing. And then the people remember that last five minutes of like, oh, what was that? So you got to really try to get a really nice ending. So I'm looking at a clock and I'm, I'm about it. an hour is where I like to, I think an, uh, an improv show at an hour is like a perfect amount, 40 to an hour. Leave them wanting more. I think that's exactly what it was. Billy Crystal had a great line where he said, uh, never let them see you work. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? He's like, do all your work in preparation beforehand. So when you're acting or you're on stage, they're not seeing the work part. They're just seeing you do your thing. And I was like, oh, I love that. I like that a lot. Do you ever, it has to happen, right? It happens even in a regular conversation or a podcast or anything. And you didn't write it down and you... And you're like, damn it, I meant to go back to that thing, that one deal that I was going to, that was to be the home run joke. Do you just save it? Anytime, really. Do you just save it for the next time? It's still going to be funny. In improv, it's usually can only work for that show, but there are times when I'm like, God, if I could just remember what happened, like if I remember this one piece of this thing that we did in minute seven, and if I called it back now, the audience would go crazy. Exactly. Perfect, whatever. But I just can't, I can't, my brain isn't finding it. So I'll have to find something else. But those are the moments that like when you get the really big reactions in improv, it's when they, they know you're making it all up. So it's like when you created something here and it's like kind of obscure and over here, but it fits perfectly like a Tetris piece at the end of the show. 
and it makes the whole thing make sense. It's like, those are the most beautiful moments. I also forget everything. I've done over a thousand improv shows and I don't record any of them. I've only, we, I have specials on Netflix with Thomas Middleditch called Middleditch and Schwartz. So there's three ever recorded improv specials. Those are the only times in my career I've recorded improv. So I have a thousand different shows that I've done that, you know, it's just, it's gone They're in, they're in the ether. They disappear forever. That's it's still as John Buchagras told me after I made my one of two eagles in my life in golf. He looked at me and he's totally sincere. He's a very sincere, funny guy. He said that that shot, that eagle you just made, is forever in your soul. And it was uh, like it was so profound. I was like, dude, you're right. Like I'll always remember how it felt to do that thing I just did. And that can be true with all sorts of things we do in life. I have two questions for you. Uh, do you remember? I'm going to ask them both just in case. Uh, there are moments in a comedian's career when something happens or you get a role that changes things. So for me, Parks and Rec was kind of like when sure. people started to like that character, more opportunities came and stuff like that. So for you and your career, I mean, I guess I could guess what they are, but what are those moments? And it doesn't have to be the Sports Center moment. Like even you being a broadcaster or a reporter. And then the other thing is this within, within, the the piece let's say it's sports and or whatever do you remember the moment where you're like i got it i understand how to do this now i just i figured it out like uh and is do you remember the episode or the moment where you're like this is my thing or this is how i'm gonna like do, do you know could you kind of understand the question it was a lengthy question with lots of clauses but two I questions it's a two-part question it's a two-part yeah um i think i knew it in grade school and i was going to ask you something similar when I got sent out in the hall, Mark Sansford and I were spent most of fifth grade in the hall. That's because we killed it in the room. We, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I always said, like, you know those Twitter things where it says, describe what you do without saying what you do, or, you know, one of those kind of things? And yep. I was going to say, I now get paid to do what used to get sent me out in the hall in fifth grade. Like, in that very moment, what's the most absurd, you know, sideways joke, two words, whatever, Right. Let's start. John Glazer made me laugh harder than any human ever by saying three words, I think it was. Which one are we? No, five words. Which one are we going to do? And I can't tell you the setup. It's too dirty for the show. We were joking. You know how you do the so-called in the room? You're just doing it for the room. You're making people laugh on set. It's never going to sure. be used. It sure. was one of those. And Glazer's response was, so which one are we going to do? And the way he said it, me and Josh Shalov, you might have been there too. It was It was the Chinatown episode for Main Street. Um, so yeah, I think early on, I think I knew I had a bit of a knack for absurdism and even, you know, carried through my sport, like in the huddle close to the goal line, you'd say a joke as opposed to just calling the play. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And for ESPN, I don't know. I, I think we got better with time. Like people talk about, you were talking about Kilborn and Stewart and, and all the old guys, um, it was great back then, but it was a different show back then because you had to watch that to know what the hell was going on, whereas now everybody knows the information and you still have to be good, right? I oh, think yeah. as time went on, we got better and better at doing sports centers because we, we just knew how to do it, right? The, like you said, you've done 100,000 shows, like, right? Your first one probably wasn't as good as your last one, right? You always get better. At least you should try to get better. So I think so, but I think there's probably, if I look at it, I could say like, I could see my peaks. I could be like, oh, this is where we were real. It, but for me, it's like when I was doing stuff with Thomas, it's Middle East and Schwartz. We really got very, very good together. And now I'm doing Middle East and Schwartz right now. And it's like, oh, I'm now doing Ben Schwartz and Friends. And now I could feel 
I could feel us getting better and better. You know what I mean? But it'll be a different type of high. Like, like Thomas, it was like these type of shows. It'll be Ben Schwartz with these type of shows. So that's why I was wondering when you're doing Sports Center with different people and you have different, you know, performers you're playing with. And you know producers, I mean? yeah. Oh, producers too, by the way. But like the people sitting next to you on that, on that table, it's like, that's why I was like, oh, I wonder if there's people where you're like, okay, now I'm off to the races with this, or oh, I know this show is going to be whatever, or now that I know that this person kind of plays more of the straight man, um, whether it's a man or a woman over there, the straight man, so I can kind of, me, Kenny Maine, I can kind of go a little bit more bonkers than I usually do, or okay, now I got to be more of the straight man because I know this person's going to be yeah. crazy. No, I know what you're saying. I liked it when the other person, whoever that be, drew more, did something a little silly and it just propelled me. We had a guy named John Totten, he's like a supervising producer, and before every show, you know, like 10 seconds to go, all right, tease is coming, and he'd always say, good show coming. And every time I would say, how do you know? And we'd all kind of giggle. Like Stuart Scott, right before we'd start, would say, time to get stupid. Or he'd say something. Oh, that's great. And it would make me giggle. So that, And I always say to anybody, it doesn't matter if it's TV or whatever it is, before you say your first word for whatever your audience is, say something out loud, even when the mics are off, just... Name a state. Say anything so your first word isn't really your first word. Three seconds later, your first word's really your fourth word, so you're not, you know, you don't, like, come out of the gate with your voice breaking. Clear the cobwebs. You come from a sports background. Did you have any superstitions, or do you have any, like, things that you had to do before SportsCenter? I liked – it wasn't the same thing superstitious level. It was just get away from the other people, go up to our so-called green room, just get my own space because you kind of knew – and I'm not saying sports center is even that big a deal, but it's still a show, right? It, yeah, my it's show's, a television show. It's still a show that you have to perform on, even if you've done a thousand of them. But I just wanted to get in my own little happy climb up, you know, get to a, whatever adrenaline level I needed to be as opposed to sitting at a typewriter. I mean, it was so weird and archaic how we put shows together back in the day where later you had way more help. You had stats I and research that. that would hand you cards. And I have one more question. Yeah. Because we've gone over our time. This is an extended play podcast here on oh, Hey Maine. Oh, you'll probably edit out 45 minutes. No, no, no we're keeping all of it. If we cut anything, okay. I'll be pissed. The name of the show is Hey Maine. Gretchen made that up. Hey Maine. That's what this is? <laughs> it's called Hey Maine. And then parenthetically, the Kenny Maine Talks to Famous People podcast. Great. Fantastic. I love Very it. Very literal. So my or, last or question. famous people. Last question. Big name drop. Followed by a sincere question. And it kind of, let's just take Ben out the door about his future. So we got to interview Christopher Guest, pretty famous. Oh, my goodness, yes. What a thrill. He wrote me the sweetest email the night I left SportsCenter. And I wrote him back, of course, immediately pitching him a show, right? That's my, <laughs> Hey, I got five ideas. No shame, for, baby. Yeah, he's like, hey, I like to make up my own ideas. I was just trying to give you a compliment. Fucking leave me alone. So, But I asked him to do this, and he did. And he was just funny, sweet, smart. He's everything, right? You know, I'm sure you know him or have met him. I've never met him before. I auditioned for him once, but I never met him before. But I'm, of course, obsessed. I think he's incredible. Yeah. So the question is, he told me, I said, how do you get to do all the stuff? Like, it looks like you just do whatever you want every time. And you hear all these stories in Hollywood. Famous actors have to go through hell to get something made. And you were talking about scripts are purchased and never made. And I mean, for one, I was like, I hope you know what a blessing that is. Not that I'm the person to tell. He said, I do. I'm thankful every day. Like, it's crazy. They say, here's your budget. Go make whatever you want. That's so rare. Unbelievable. Do you ever beat your head... 
against the wall. This I'm getting to the question where like, damn, this thing is so funny. How do they not just say go? Like, like how do you get through that part of the frustration knowing you just got to keep cranking until it hits? The first couple. So for, we're just talking about right. <coughs> anything right really? Now. Anything you want to do? Yeah. Let's talk about writing because that's uh, fine. We're talking about writing with Ben Schwartz. <laughs> no, I'm saying because acting, it's a little bit different because you know there are words there, you audition and stuff like that. But writing is like this is the first couple things I wrote when they didn't go. It hurt so much right. because I'm like, this is funny. I'm putting myself into this. This is what I think is funny, and it's you know you feel pretty naked. You're like, this is what I think it is. And then I realized that if I'm going to be a writer, I have to be able to understand <clears throat> understand what I'm doing is work. Someone just purchased something from me and they're hiring me to work on something. They now own that idea. I'm going to work on it with them and they can do whatever they want with it. So I almost had to separate a little bit out to make sure that it didn't hurt as much. I didn't take it as personal. Um, I'm still very connected to it. I still very much want it to go. But it's like, you know, once you've been through the process a couple of times, you understand what it's like. I've had incredible successes. I've had things that have not gone. I've I did a pilot that was really, I was like, this is going to be it. I'm gonna, this is my new TV show. It's going to be amazing. And then it doesn't go. Or um, So it's like you kind of just learn that that's all part of it. And I think you can't tie your own self-worth to work or we'd be screwed. Like it's up and down and up and down and up and down. So you have to, you know, you have to be able to separate the ride of what this career is, which both of you and I are insanely lucky. We are very, very lucky to do what we do. And we're sure. talking right now. This is your job to talk to your friend. Pretty this stupid. is insane. So it's like, um, I think it's like to, to make sure that, that your emotions aren't completely tied to your job, I think is a big thing and takes a practice because when you're in like acting or writing, a lot of what you're doing is putting yourself out there and your face is out there and you're doing this. So, so I think there's a big, I think there's a big thing in, in that. And, um, once you get through the process of what, what this is, you just learn it. Like when I got notes at the beginning, I'd be like, Oh man. But then I'm like, all right, let me listen to this note. This person who's trying to make this for their studio thinks that the best way to get it on the air for their studio is if I do this note, how do I make it my version of this note? Gotcha. How do I can make it the best version of like what I kind of write, how I make things a little bit weird to take that note? And then you kind of learn. Right. You accommodate them, but don't lose your soul in doing so. Exactly. And then the older I get, the more I pitch exactly what my vision is. So then I know if these people are on board. All right, this is what I'm doing, guys. I'm thinking this is this. And this TV show I just sold, the company that bought it, who's amazing, was like, we totally get this. Let's do this. And now I'm like, oh, I could like, I could be me a little bit and like go go crazy. So I think with streaming and stuff like that, things have gotten a little bit easier to kind of really like, like what you did for Main Street. At that time, that's a huge risk. Like you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna. This is what I think is funny. I'm gonna do it. And Josh and Todd and you did something awesome. So it's like, um, I think streaming has opened that up a little bit, where creatives are given a little bit more room to breathe and grow. And so it's been it's been fun, but. Good. Uh, one final question, then beyond that final question. And the name of the podcast should be called it's One called, Final Question. Hey, man. My dad <laughs> taught me this a long time ago about how you respect. What's your dad's name? I'm the third. He was Ken Main the second. My grandpa, Ken Wheelock, W H E E L O C K. Eliezer Wheelock founded Dartmouth College. We're related to him way back when. So I'm Wheelock oh, the wow. third. So that wasn't the question. Um, that was your question, your final question. That was my final question. He taught me a long time ago about respecting people for whatever they do. Like his line was, treat the janitor the same way you treat the vice president of the company walking down the hall, right? And I've really 
I don't do that to be showy or what do they call that? Virtue signaling. I think that's the big uh, one. I, I'm already in love with what you're saying because I'm very much like this. Keep and going. Yeah. We're talking about all this Hollywood bullshit and you making movies and you're telling us how blessed we are, which is true. We're both lucky to get to do stuff we've always wanted to do and somehow somebody pays us. I I think I have, especially maybe through the pandemic, I didn't know what, the country falling apart politically. I've just come to appreciate regular stuff. more. Like the garbage man's the most important guy you're going to see all week. I was a garbage yeah. man, by the way, right? Like he doesn't show up or she doesn't show up. You're you're upside down yet. Somehow we think that's a lesser. That's not a lesser thing. That's important. I follow the United Farm Workers site on Twitter, and they show these people. Look how they pick the strawberries you're going to eat. It's a skill. It's not small. It's not. So it's weird to be head in the clouds. We're making moves with Don Cheadle, and yet keep the earnestness with regard to just everyday life. Well, dude, I think also. It's funny. I think because uh, my parents, the way I was raised is very seems similar to yours. Like my parents are from the South Bronx. They had no money coming up. They worked their fucking asses off to get us to a place where we can move from the Bronx to the North Bronx and from the North Bronx, whatever. They worked so hard and also always respected everybody. But it's also because all of our friends were that. And I think when I was in New York, all my friends did different things. And when I was coming up as a kid, I was, I worked at a sneaker store and then I did the garbage at UCB. Like, you know, you, you just, you just learn. I was, my first job was a janitor at, um, I would clean up the broken 40 ounce uh, bottles at a playground that a, at a camp, that a uh, camp would be. When they poured one out. Of course. I didn't think I was ever going to be a writer or an actor. I was an anthro and a psychology major. Anthropology, the whole idea is a study of society, study of cultures to learn more about yourself and learn more about everybody else. And psychology is obviously the study of the brain and stuff like that. So it's like, it's, uh, and the way people think in the mind. And so it's like, um, I'm, I am all about that. One of the sentences I hated when I came here and I would, uh, and uh, I talk about a little bit now is people would say in this industry in LA, they'd be like, Hey, you better be nice to that assistant. You never know when that assistant might be your boss. And I'd be like, no, you should be nice to the assistant because it's a fucking human being, a kind person who's working his or her ass off for you. And it's like, it's like that's crazy that I hated that sentence when I came here because I've been an assistant. I've been an intern. I've been a page. I've been like, and I don't want you to be nice to me because I may be your boss. You should be nice to everybody. The world is so hard. You should be nice to everybody. So that your sentence very much resonates with me. I think it's a smart way to live your life, and it, you're going to be you're going to get so many more unique experiences. You're going to be such a kinder person if you bring kindness to other people. I'm all about that. But you're terribly mean to me. You've been listening to Ben Schwartz and probably the most important podcast ever recorded. Now, let's, hey, Maine. Let's take time out now to advertise something that I don't believe in. Wait, now that I do believe in, Ben, always good. Go right. Thank you. Can you Thanks, explain man. to the audience just real quick? You're going to upload some stuff. How does this end? What happens after we stop talking? You you're want me to tell them the process? Just because yeah. I how does it work? A, a thousand podcasts yeah. now, and I record yeah. a voiceover. Nobody knows. Right now, I'm recording on GarageBand on Boom. my uh, hype mic from uh, Apogee, <laughs> Apogee, and a mic stand. What I'm going to do right after this is I'm going to press stop on my GarageBand. I'm going to save it to a wave file. And you're going to download on your side, and it's going to have my audio side from my microphone, and they're going to mix it with your audio, and you're going to make an incredible-sounding podcast that I have to imagine is better than the other people's because I can't imagine they went and found microphones and went through all this just because I wanted to make sure that your podcast, which you said is going to change the world, you explained to me is changing the world. You said every other podcast should worry, run, and hide. So it's like I'm trying to do as, as, as well as I can for my friend Kenny before he asks me to do something else. I'll ask you that later. 
truly, this is one of the better podcasts I've ever heard. <laughs> in your, not yours. You're talking about in the world. In the history of podcasting. <laughs> and that's our show. Ben Schwartz. Wonderful to chat with you, my friend. I'm very happy you have found another platform to talk at people. We're still talking. The show's not over. Wait. Okay. Sorry. Tell me when it's over. It, it should have been over. Uh, the producer people, Lena, Paul, uh, run the whole thing. Don't, don't cut Ben Schwartz. Should I stop recording on my end? I don't care. Hey, Maine is a production of me, Kenny Maine, and Odyssey. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen. Our executive producer is Jody Avergan. And our executive producer for Odyssey is Lena Glazer. Social media support by Joey Capone. If you like our show, please rate us, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. 